Hello, friends and colleagues. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music on the podcast today, episode 107. My very special guest is Diana Swenson. Now, Diana is well known in our industry as an advocate for inclusion in music and theater. Her successful home-based studio is called Vocal Inclusion. And that is exactly what we are talking about today. She works with approximately 50 students each and every week of all abilities. And she is sharing her passion, her teaching strategies, and how she works with all of her students in the private lesson, on stage, and in the community. This is such an inspiring conversation. Now, before I welcome Diana to the podcast, I want to remind you, the listener, that today's episode is brought to you by the Private Music Teacher Planner and Agenda. If you are planning an incredible year of teaching, please check this lovely planner out. It is now available worldwide on Amazon. There are links in the show notes, and you can check out sample pages to see if it would work for you and your plans. And now, on to our podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Diana Swenson. How are you today? Good morning. I'm great. How are you? I'm I'm wonderful. Now, uh, I'm so excited to talk to you today. We are talking about such an important topic, which is inclusion in our studios and inclusion in the arts. And I'm thrilled to have you here. Uh, as always, I really like to give my guests the opportunity to introduce themselves and uh, talk a little bit about their beginnings, because I think that helps to... Um, uh, uh, the story. <laughs> so if yes, you, yes. if you would be so kind, uh, to, to give us a little bit of your background and how you got started in singing. And then of course, how you, um, got into working with so many incredible artists. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. Um, I, started singing very soon after being born. And I always loved um, listening to my Annie records. I was born in 75. So <laughs> I just dated myself. And um, I loved the Broadway musicals. And by the time I got to high school, I was in choirs and I decided that I was going to be a music major. And I went to college, became a music major and decided I was going to be a famous opera singer one day and went the <laughs> classical route <laughs> and decided after yeah, about a year or two into that, that I was not going to be a famous opera singer, uh, that I was going to be a teacher. And my heart was really for teaching. Um, I knew that pretty soon. Uh, I didn't like the competitiveness mm. of um, being a vocalist against each other all the time. Um, it always hurt my heart. <laughs> so sure. I did it. But at the same time, I just knew I was supposed to be a teacher. Um, and so I had, you know, got through college. I graduated in 99. And um, by the time I got married, my husband and I were starting our lives off and we decided to have our first child mm -hmm. and my first child was 
born in 2003 and his name's Colin and he was born and our lives flipped upside down. We had um, a birth injury situation where I was knocked out um, from emergency C-section, woke up with the news that my son wasn't going to make it through the night. Mm. Um, at that point, everything just flipped a switch. I turned into a different person because I was now, um, the mom of a special needs child, the mom of a medically fragile child. And, um, it, it was just, it was just a whole new world. Um, some people talk about a poem called welcome to Holland, where you prep your whole life to get ready to go to Italy. And when you get off the plane, you realize you're not in Italy, you're in Holland and you have to learn this whole new language. And that's, that's really a lot of what it's like to be a, a newly diagnosed special needs parent. Sure. Um, so Colin was given three months to live and we came home with hospice care from the NICU and I just was singing to him because that's naturally what mothers do. Um, and I realized how much he enjoyed my singing, mm -hmm. even though he was non-responsive in a lot of ways, whenever I sang, he would perk up mm -hmm. and, um, by that time, it was just a natural thing to sing to him. And I ended up, long story made short, uh, realizing how much music affects every single person. And that was my communication with my son. And he never learned to talk. Um, hospice is no longer with us, and we have no uh, lifespan on him anymore. He's 16. Wow. So I always say... God and him have other plans. I don't know what they are, but I can see some of the purposes. And the the biggest thing that has come from this that has been good is that I learned that I wanted to include people with disabilities into my studio, my music studio. So I had been working with students in the public schools. I'd taught in choruses before I had Colin. Um, and I, I've always loved working with kids and teens, all of them. Um, but then when I opened up my world to people with differing abilities, uh, whether that's cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, autism, uh, my life became more enriched. Mm. And that's what I do now. I have a studio of about 50 students. And mostly every year, I, try, I am actually intentional about this. I try to make sure that it is half and half. It's not, I never want to be only people with special needs. And I never want to be only typically developing peers, because that to me is not inclusion. I love it. What, what an incredible story. And, and, and I, and I want to thank you so much for sharing all of that. And I, I want to let all the listeners know that, um, I've been following Diana on, um, on the socials and I love your studio. You share, you share all the wonderful work that you're doing with this, with every, all your students. And you also, you also share Colin's story as well. And I, and I see, uh, I see, um, also his sister and <laughs> she, now he, his sister's also involved in the arts too. Yes, she loves it. Um, I don't think she had a choice in some ways. <laughs> sure. uh, she just 
started getting on stage of around four, mm. um, just in church plays. And then as she got a little bit older, I created a group called the Troublemakers because <laughs> she was little and she wanted to sing. And I loved group lessons. And I actually steered away from that until I got your book oh my <laughs> about group lessons. And um, that's when I started group lessons again. But yes, I, I started her in Troublemakers because I liked the group dynamic for the age mm -hmm. that she was. And then she's just been singing on my recitals ever since then. And now she's part of our local um, family theater group, uh, the Hurrah Players. Oh, and wow, she, it. yes, oh, and they are amazing. Um, I'm actually able to be the musical director there now. And she just finished her show yesterday. Oh and gosh. she sang Where Are You Christmas. It was awesome. Oh, that's <laughs> lovely. Now, you you wear many hats. So you just finished this huge production. Tell everybody a little bit about this, this production that you were involved in. Yes. Um, so my studio recital was actually at the end of November. And I did that on purpose so that I would have a little more focus for the Hurrah for the Holiday show. And um, it was amazing as mm -hmm usual when you get big groups of people together from the community singing the raw players has <laughs> it has people as famous as the flash from <laughs> there <laughs> they they create and teach um just discipline and the arts and and it's so much more than just about singing and dancing and acting but this show was i think there was about 80 people uh, adults kids teens all having it was a review dancing singing all the above and the most special thing to me as a musical director was i was able for the first time um to sing with a young lady named Fela. Uh, well, um, yeah, I can say her name. <laughs> or you, you, either way. But I sang with a young lady who is in a wheelchair, who is amazing, mm. beautiful singing voice. And she had never had a solo at the Hurrah Players. And she told me that she had wanted one for years after I got to know her a little bit better. And she has such stage presence. And it was the most beautiful thing because every night that we sang, we did three performances at that point, at the end of our song, we did, do you hear what I hear as a duet? Oh, wow. uh, there was a standing ovation mm. for her every single time. And yes, I know I was up there, <laughs> but <laughs> it was really, truly that teacher's heart in me that said, yes, inclusion everywhere at the hurrah players everywhere. Cause hurrah is very well known as they, they turn out amazing, amazing performers. Mm -hmm. Tina right now over in New York, um, Adrian Warren is a hurrah player. So it's, they're just this amazing thing. And that's what I love about it is that the stage is level ground. Mm -hmm. Every single person belongs on the stage. I love that the conversation is changing. I love that we are now welcoming all abilities. And I wanted I wanted to talk about um, I, I, I want to talk a little bit about how you work with your students because um, you're very you're very clear about the fact that you don't separate the students. Uh, you you let everybody work together. Can you talk a little yes. bit about how you work with your students within your studio? Yes, I think this is a really, really important topic. Um, I just recently did a talk at our local um, 
our local university to some undergraduates about this because there is a little bit of a fear factor. Mm-hmm. Um, am I going to do this wrong? Uh, how do I work with someone who's nonverbal? How do I work with someone who has autism? Uh, I think the key to it all is everybody's an individual and you just have to get to know your student. Mm. I am blessed that I work one-on-one. Um, there is a different dynamic in group dynamics when you're dealing with a whole school you know, classroom full of people. And I I understand that. I believe it can happen everywhere. Um, But in my studio, I have students come in and they come and take lessons. Just every single one of them signs up for their lesson spot. And I, the first lesson, I assess them. I kind of get to know them if they have, um, if they have anything that their parents want to share with me, that's always great, especially um, those students that are under 18. So if I have a student walk in, I have one student in particular who had um, a traumatic brain injury, and his mom told me that he didn't sing for years after this injury because um, he had a boating accident. He was typically developing a, a child. He had a boating accident. He went into a coma. I mean, just crazy things. And the first thing that he did when he came out of the coma and started learning how to talk, it was, he sang, um, don't stop believing by journey. (laughs) (laughs) And so when he comes in, my whole, my whole studio lights up. I think it does with all of them. I have a problem. I have like 50 favorites. Uh, (laughs) that's a good problem, isn't it? Yes, yes. But, um, you know, every single one's different. I don't think it's rocket science. And I think people think too hard. I I really do think they think, think it too hard. Um, Mm -hmm. If you have a student come in, I'm just going to kind of go through some of my students. I have a student with Down syndrome. Um, Actually, I have several students with Down syndrome. I have learned that they like sign language, um, that Mm. sometimes putting movements to things helps them remember the words. Just like my younger students, um, it's it's, it's really not that hard, (laughs) but... They, I, I have one girl that we were doing the national anthem mm-hmm. and I, she didn't know what a rampart was. So I said, you know, let's discuss each of these words. So you know what you're singing about the same way I would do with everybody. And I got out some fake snowballs and I hid behind my music stand and I said, <laughs> okay, here's my rampart, throw some snowballs at me. And she never forgot the word rampart. Brilliant. <laughs> um, it's, it's it's just being creative, thinking outside of the box, and learning your students what music they like. It's the same with every single student across the board. You know when they like something because they work harder. Mm-hmm. Now, I have a question. Um, how do you work with um, students that are nonverbal? That's a great question. Um, again, they're all different. Mm-hmm. I have one student um, who came to me who I was told was nonverbal. And for about a year, and I'll be honest, because I think this is important to be honest, even being who I am, I had some frustration. Mm-hmm. I could not get him. He smiled and he laughed loudly, <laughs> but he did not speak. Um, he could nod and say yes and no, but he would whisper, sing a little bit. Mm. And I could tell that he was getting something, but I couldn't tell what it was. So I went all out. I was, okay, this child, oh, he's actually a young adult, is going to sing. <laughs> so I got out paper. I said, we're going to paint 
while we sing. <laughs> and wow. I tried all sorts of things. And about a year after working with him, I almost told his mom, I don't think we should take lessons anymore because I don't know if he's getting anything out of it. Mm. And it was, it was the coolest thing because right after that, I paired him up with his girlfriend who also has Down syndrome and we had a recital and I told him and a couple other of the moms told him to sing loudly for his girlfriend and in a recital in front of 200 people for the first time, I heard him clear as day. Wow. You could tell that the, the waterworks were everywhere. Uh, tears were flowing. So happy. So he um, just needs to have an audience. <laughs> wow. uh, and he does sing a little bit louder in here still, but he, he sings the loudest when he has an audience or a pretty girl next to him. Oh, wow. Um, I have, <laughs> yes. I have another student that would be categorized as your complete nonverbal. Um, he's, he's, um, very, they call those, this is a PC word. They say involved if a student has a lot of, um, disabilities and his name is Evan and he is one of my absolute favorite students to work with. And I think this is important too, because lessons are either 30 minutes or 45 minutes. Well, what do you do for 30 or 45 minutes with a student who is nonverbal? Mm. Well, Evan has a yes and a no. He, his mom told me, um, what his yes is. He will look up with his eyes and over for a yes and for a no he will shake his head and so we work on things that he likes I do rhythm with him I do um, rhythm sticks and then he sings with songs by just making sounds and he opens his mouth and he makes loud loud singing and I know he is singing he's not just making sounds he is enjoying it you can tell it on his face I had to switch my microphones around in here just so I could make sure that I didn't have to hold a mic in front of him the whole time because I said Evan do you want me to hold the mic in front of you or do you want to stand and he wanted to stand wow wow I love I love how you're just you're just exploring different options and, and trying and watching and observing and, and uh, getting that feedback. I, I think, I think that's what, I think that's what might, might be a challenge for some teachers is we have a certain model in our minds about what progress is in a lesson. And, and, and even with, with students, um, of any ability, that's a that's a nasty trap that we can fall into because everybody progresses on their own terms and we need to just sit back sometimes and just see where they're at. But with with students that have challenges, um, that that can be really frustrating and we have to be patient. Yes. And allow the teachable moments. And by that, I mean, allow them to teach us. Um, you, I think every teacher who has a teacher's heart realizes that we learn as much from our students over the years as they Mm -hmm. learn from us. We probably learn more (laughs) from them. And they're always showing us that people in general are always trying to be seen and heard. They want to be acknowledged for who they are. They want to be valued and just learning about all of their, 
everything about them that you can in your time, you know, your short time that you have with them in a lesson. It's so critical to just valuing the person and not the ability or the disability. Um, I did I remember coming out of college and thinking every voice lesson that I was going to teach was going to be exactly like the voice lessons I took in college. Wow, right. that yes. was an eye opener. <laughs> I, you know, no, not everybody is going to go through the IPA of every song and look up. <laughs> it, it, it was a mind blower for me um, starting to work uh, after my, you know, my very first time teaching lessons. But now it's just, it's coming to a place of understanding that you really truly just need to learn the individual, love the individual and allow them to feel safe, have Mm. a safe place to open up and that they're accepted. And I just, my favorite part of my studio is when I put people together in duets um, or group songs, when it's a person who may never have thought about singing with another person. Mm. Uh, I place them together and the most beautiful magic happens because no longer is it a volunteer type of thing. A lot of times with people with disabilities, there's lots of opportunities in the world for people to volunteer to work with them. Mm. And I think that's great and it has a place, but in my studio, you pay for a lesson, you're going to get a lesson, you're going to get time on the stage, and everybody's the same. And just placing those people together, um, I, I think it teaches my typically developing peers very quickly. I see it in their faces, just these light bulb moments of love <laughs> that that they have, um, you know, they're singing with somebody. They're not helping them. They are mm. singing with a peer. I love that. I love that. The Thinking about inclusion, not as as segregating people, but it's part of the team. I I really love that. And now for the My Music Staff Minute. Hey, Full Voice Podcast listeners, Erin here with your My Music Staff Minute. So, you spend your days teaching your students, but do you take the time to challenge yourself musically? Teaching can be your passion, but it's important to find ways to keep yourself inspired and motivated as well. Make time to further hone your craft. Maybe you want to challenge yourself by exploring a different style of musical theory or learning a completely new instrument. Taking a new course or a class with a mentor may inspire you by putting yourself in the shoes of your students. Through your continued studies, you may find a new approach that would benefit your teaching style and ultimately your students. Look for ways to engage with your peers or mentors. Meeting to discuss your teaching methods, challenges, and successes is a great way to find new opportunities and expand your approach to teaching. Whether you uncover an enthusiasm for a new instrument or discover a new approach to teaching, embracing the opportunity to learn from others can only bring value to you personally and professionally. Push yourself out of your comfort zone. Start from scratch and challenge yourself with learning a brand new instrument. When was the last time you performed for an audience? or recorded original material. Challenge yourself with looking for different ways to showcase your skills on the stage. Start your 30-day free trial of My Music Staff today at mymusicstaff.com. And stay tuned for next week's tips and tricks on the My Music Staff Minute, exclusively on the Full Voice Podcast. What are some of the group songs that you've done with, with your students? Well, we just recently did um, Love Grows at Christmas Time, which mm. was absolutely gorgeous. I um, 
And again, I'm intentional about inclusion. I think that is, is a key. Um, I made sure, you know, it, I, I, I really am. I have to be intentional or else it's just not going to work. Um, so I made sure that when I had the soloist that I had some soloist that had a disability and some soloists that didn't, although I do believe that everybody has a disability in some way, shape or form. <laughs> uh, but it, I started off with a young girl who has cystic fibrosis, sang the first verse. And then the second verse was a young lady who is amazing singer was just added into the Pharrell um, gospel choir for the seven, five, seven. She was born deaf in one ear has perfect pitch Hmm. and has been starring in shows and local community theater. And, and yet she has a disability that's not as obvious. She Mm -hmm. was born deaf and, um, but just to have her up there and she's, she's almost like, she's almost like, um, a superstar around here (laughs) and, and to see these other kids and she's, she's so humble and she just loves them. And she even looked at me afterwards. She's like, I think I might have a place in this sometime in my life. Um, and working with people with disabilities. And so it just, it just was went from one student to another student to another student with autism and another person who has, um, down syndrome and another student who's typically developing. And it was gorgeous. Um, I did have to say that one of my favorite group songs was We're All Made of Stars um, oh. from Neverland, mm-hmm. Finding Neverland. And um, the the quote, and I actually have it in front of me, so I say it correctly. <laughs> um, it says, you can be anything you want to be. You can go anywhere you want to see. A little hard work and you can do it. Faith will get you through it. So many possibilities we're all made of stars. We're all made of dreams. No matter who you are, you can do what you want. Go where you like. Be who you want to be. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> A perfect lyric for, for what you're doing. Um, what um, resources would you recommend for teachers that are looking for um, materials that might be uh, more conducive to inclusion in their studios? That's a great, great question. Um, I have thought over the years, and again, I try not to overthink because I just, when I try to overthink, things seem to go wrong. So (laughs) the first thing that I I do is I use YouTube a lot. Um, I pull up videos. I have some students that cannot sing with an instrumental. They need to sing with um, words on the screen oh, as they're practicing. That helps a lot mm-hmm. um, because they're just, you know, they just love to sing, but they may not be able to keep up with the tempo of a song when you take the words off. That actually happens with some of my typically developing sure. students. Yeah, as me well. too. Uh, <laughs> um, so I use YouTube. Uh, one of my favorite favorite places. And I asked them for permission. I said, can I mention you all? And they said, sure, please do. It's fourth wall backstage. It's the number four TH wall, W-A-L-L backstage, B-A-C-K-S-T-A-G-E.com. Mm-hmm. And they have so many resources. They are theater for all oh, wow. and they have plays 
skits um, that you can include music in. They have songs with um, sign language. They have dances. The dances are actually free on YouTube that you can do with your students. Um, They are just lovely, lovely people. I think they're based out of Michigan Mm -hmm. in the United States. And um, let's see, with some of my students, even adults um, with disabilities, they love stories. So I have collected over the years many stories that have songs in them. I actually used to do that with my kindergarten classes when I taught in the public schools. So I will get out storybooks and let them follow along with the music. I have one student with um, autism whose mom wants her to work on her reading skills. So that's one of the ways we work on reading skills as she helps me read the book and follows along with her finger um, Let's see. What else do I use? Oh, my gosh. I use so many things. There's one um, one resource that I think I might have found on our voice teachers page, uh, the Just Songs CD. Mm. And that is great because it takes popular songs and it uses um, vocal warm-up sounds. Mm-hmm. And for some of my students that have problem with their diction and have problems with um, – you know, getting words out, having them do oohs and ahs. That that works with uh, my student who with disabilities, um, who I talked about earlier. <laughs> with it, just works great because he he may not sing the oohs exactly how they are, uh, but he will just he will just do it with them. And it's not like he's trying to keep up with words; he's keeping up with sounds, and that's pretty cool. But I really. Honestly, I have so many resources because I'm just always looking. Mm. I'm always, um, that's why I love our voice teachers page that we can all share with each other because something that somebody may say works for a certain reason may actually work for something else <laughs> in my studio. I love but it. playing instruments is also great too. It's, you know, it doesn't have to be just a vocal lesson. And when we're teaching rhythm reading, the best thing to do is pull out those rhythm sticks and mm-hmm. have them play those along with the rhythm cards. I have some students who love that and they get so excited that they know what a quarter note is and <laughs> they know what an eighth note is. It's again, it's just learning who they are and always expecting more um, than you think that maybe they can do because they they pick up on that. Um, as I think we all do in life. Mm-hmm. I know when I'm in a room and someone's talking to me who I can tell thinks they might be a little above me, <laughs> I want to leave that conversation. Sure. Uh, the same thing with, you know, everybody. They they know whether you believe in them or not and they will rise when I, you show them you care. I love that you just said that because, you know, I full, full ad- admittance here. I do that to all my students sometimes. I catch myself. It's, I think, oh, you know, they're not going to handle this or they're not going to be able to learn this song. And then they surprise me. And then I think, oh, Nikki, you, <laughs> you did not give them the benefit of the doubt. And you, you had pre, you had thought that too, like you said, you thought you think too hard and you always get into trouble. I really like what you said about just letting them shine and, 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 giving them those challenges as you would any student a student of mine um last spring she's catholic and uh she wanted to learn ave maria and Mm. she has down syndrome Mm. it was the most gorgeous thing because if you think about it 
Ave Maria is full of lots of long, beautiful vowels. Mm -hmm. So we did not perform the whole song, but we did perform a portion of it together. Um, I made sure to stand behind her. I always ask my students, do you want me beside you or do you want the other person who's singing with you beside you? behind you how would you I asked them how would you mm -hmm. like it so that it's still about them um depend if it's one of those songs where they're getting a little extra support and so I I just sang with her on Ave Maria and she worked her little butt off and mm -hmm. she did the most beautiful job again things that get standing ovations <laughs> and who you know who why not why can't she sing Ave Maria <laughs> mm. I love it I love it I, I always, when, when my students bring songs to me, there's a, there's a part of me that I don't know whether it's the work that I have to do that I start to think about. And, but really <laughs> if they love the song and they want to sing it, there's, there's lots of reasons why we should just step out of our egos and go for it with them. So thank you for sharing that. I, I agree. Um, I did want to mention too, because this just happened, um, this weekend when I sang with um, one of the hurrah players, I have a thing too about wheelchair placements. And I think this Ooh. can go across the board for um, studio recitals. It can go across the board for choral recitals. I cannot stand when wheelchairs are always on the end. Um, oh. It's a really big thing that I don't think anybody does intentionally, but you can place wheelchairs and wheelchair users. I mean, um, right in the middle with everybody else and just mm. place children around them. Um, when I sang with this student and it was a duet, I made sure that I asked uh, very quickly before we got onto the theater that there would be a chair for me because I did not want to be standing while she mm. was sitting. Putting mm -hmm. yourself at the same level as them makes it again, it's more pleasing to the eye and it makes everything level. It, it's just a really good thing. Um, years ago, I was doing a production and I was doing a group picture. Again, I learned that's the whole thing is don't be afraid to fail and learn. Mm -hmm. um, I was doing a production where we had a group, a large group of students in a show, and it, it was a Susical, um, Susical Junior. And I had a student in a wheelchair who was Horton the Elephant. And I had wow. a student that was not in a wheelchair who um, was Gertrude. And when we went to go take the cast picture, I had Gertrude up on the stage and Horton below the stage with some of the people standing around him. So I was like, I'm still doing a good, you know, it's like everybody's in the right place, but he's not, he's not on the end. And then he looked at me and he said, Miss Diana, shouldn't I be with Gertrude? Shouldn't I be with the lead up on the stage? Oh. And, and I said, yes, you should. Thank you for telling me. Thank mm -hmm. you for teaching me because we need to listen. We need to learn. All of us are fallible, but if you're teachable, that's what matters. I love that. Thank you for reminding us. I, I, that just going into our lessons humble, right? Yeah. We forget. We forget. We've been through a lot ourselves, and then we, we bring that into our studios. I, I can't tell you how... <laughs> how much this this how important this interview is and i and i know you're going to give so much courage to teachers who who want to have inclusion and and help all abilities to 
have the confidence to do this. And I, and I can't thank you enough. I've had goosebumps through this whole interview, <laughs> Diana. You're so inspiring. And I want to tell um, the, the members of our Voice Teacher Forum on Facebook, Voice Teachers for Young Singers, Diana is an active member. She is a contributor. She's always on there. And Diana, I have to thank you for that. You sharing all of your information is such a gift to the group. And and I want you to continue to do that, please. And please and thank you. Um, (laughs) Now, before I let you go, um, I know you mentioned the Just Song vocal warm up for Susan Anders. But what's what's a you have to help me out here with warm up of the week. Now, the warm-up of the week. What's a warm-up that your kids just love? Whether it's a group warm-up or whether it's a that you would do in a private lesson. What's something that they really enjoy? Well, it, it's funny because I know I, I talked about this at one point when we did our little pre-interview, and I can't even remember what I said. But <laughs> <laughs> there's so many warm-ups that um, I, I love to do. Uh, if you can count to eight, I love to do the one, one, two, one, one, two, three, two, one, that one. Mm. Um, but for my, it, I do do, I have different, actually I have different playlists on my <laughs> computer for differing students. Um, I, I like to have, um, warmups for my students that are going to be working on arias. Those are completely different than the warmups that I do with my students that may not be working on arias. And then they have um, belting warmups for my musical theater students. Mm. My students with disabilities, the Just Songs is a great one. Um, I also love... I love just putting on any song and having them hum to it. Mm. Any song that you, I actually told my students that were on the show this weekend, um, before you come here and you get your warmups on stage, put on the radio. And if your parents are okay with you doing it in the car, (laughs) either lip bubble or hum along to your favorite song that's on the radio. And that will get everything warmed up. It's not, Everything to me is just let's go simple. Let's be not have to be rocket science scientists about everything exactly. and not overthink it. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I again, I want to thank you for your time today and I'm going to put links um to the Fourth Wall Backstage resources. That's a great website. I I had a chance to check that out and you're right. They have some amazing resources. I would also I'm going to put a link to your website because you have a lot of wonderful information on there as well. And would you be would you be willing if people had questions, can they reach out? Oh, yes, please do. Um, my email is on there, on uh, my website. You can always ask on the voice teachers page. Uh, oh, please, please do. Um, I really, really want people to open up their studios to all abilities and not be worried about it. Always ask me for anything, um, but it's believe in yourself as a teacher because you can. Um, there's really nobody that's unteachable unless they choose not to be, or unless the teacher chooses not to be. That is such a great reminder to all of us. Diana, you are an inspiring woman. I see you on, on the socials and I'm always, I'm always in awe of, of what you're doing. And I find you and your students so inspiring. So please keep 
doing everything you're doing and sharing all the wonderful love that you're you're sending to everyone and thank you so much for your time today and um you know what i definitely want to have you back in 2020 and uh, to share more stories and and more um strategies for teachers because as this as this conversation continues, as more and more teachers are are welcoming students of all abilities, uh, we're we're going to need leaders like you to guide us. So, <laughs> I, I'd like to say two short more things. Sure. Um, one, people with disabilities are not going away. They've mm. always been here. And the more technology that we have created, my son wouldn't be alive if it, and I might not be alive if it wasn't, mm. if it had been like thirty some years ago. Uh, So just they're in the community. So they're not going away. That's one. (laughs) So we need to learn how to work with each other. Mm -hmm. But the second thing is from this letter that one of my students' moms wrote, and it's just a sentence that really stuck out to me. She said, a sense of belonging really is the goal of inclusion. I love it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Oh, yes. (laughs) Diana, I am wishing you and your family an amazing holiday. And again, thank you for sharing your time and for being part of our community. I'm just so thankful that uh, all that we've met and that uh, that you share your wonderfulness uh, with everyone. Um, But uh, I'm like I said to everyone uh, listening, please check out Diana's um, website and um, the other resources I'm going to list on the podcast page in the show notes. And um, I thank you. I'm I am so inspired by you. I have, I'm so inspired. So thank you so much. Great. I hope other people are and just ready to do it. Just do it. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. A very special thank you to Diana for her time and her wonderful, wonderful success stories. I love what she's doing and I love how she's opening up conversations about inclusion in our studios. I would also like to tell everybody that next week on the podcast, we are continuing our feature spotlight on the multi teacher studio. My special guest is Cynthia Vaughn of Magnolia Music. Cynthia has a lifetime of teaching experience and runs a very successful multi-teacher studio. She's sharing her journey and some of the challenges she's faced along the ways. It's a wonderful conversation and I hope you will tune in next week. As always, if you would like more information about our guests, about our podcast, or any of our products, please visit the show notes and our website, www.thefullvoice.com. As always, I am wishing you inspired teaching and happy singing. Made by Canoe Music. Canoe Music.ca